Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to where we're drawing the theme for last year and this year and next year. The righteous shall possess the land. Psalm 37. The 37th Psalm. The Bible says in verse 1, Psalm 37, 1. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. Everybody say, don't worry about the wicked. I'm going to try to preach on more than just that verse. But you see, the bulk of Christians, their focus is uh, on what the, the enemy's planning. It's one thing to plan something. It's another thing to carry it out. And so um, the devil, if you read the Bible, I said this one time at a church. I said, the devil is not good at carrying out his plans. And somebody came up to me after. They said, where do you find that in the, in the Bible that you said that? I said, um, Genesis 1 through Revelation 22. <laughs> one plan after another, and he, he screwed up. Amen. He's a professional screw-up. How do you get kicked out of heaven? I think he's the only guy that found a way uh, uh, to do that. And so... The devil's always announcing his plans, what they're planning to do to Arizona. Of course, we know about what's going on at, at the border, some disturbing things. I don't know if you saw it or not, just so you know why, if I get worked up. It, it, it's, it's pretty irritating to see a, a purposeful, you know, at some point you just have to stop writing it off as how can they be that dumb to may, maybe it's planned and it, it's not stupidity. You have a guy that goes through the border, and, the, and, and a news reporter said, who, first of all, it's not even a news reporter. There's no news covering anything. The only people covering it, you've got like comedians covering it that, that are irritating. Go down with the phone. Where did you come from? Azure ban. Or no, he didn't say. Oh, very soon you'll know where I came from. So they ran a face check on him. He's from an Islamic uh, jihadist organization out of Azure ban. I don't know how good you are at geography, but there's no walking path from Azure ban to Mexico. So they train you like it's a bunch of needy families coming through the border. It's not. It's a human trafficking operation. And then now whole buses full of people are foreign operatives and making threats. 200,000, 400,000 strong. There are people that want this nation to be destroyed. Arizona represents what is in this nation that makes evil people want to get destroyed. Arizona is a free state. I came here for the first time in 2014 to preach. I'd never been out west. And uh, I fell in love with it. I still haven't gotten over it. Ten years, I take all my vacations at the same place. And uh, I had to tell the manager at the hotel to put the stuffed animals back. I don't have anybody with me, and I don't really feel comfortable as a 43-year-old man carrying a teddy bear. Uh, I love it here. I, I, I love it. It feels free. My spirit relaxes here. My spirit relaxes all over the... I've been all over. I've driven through almost this whole state. Tuba City. I've been on, on the... Uh, uh, First Nations, people's land, all that. Page uh, up north, I love it here. And there are people that want America destroyed. 90% of missions giving comes from the United States of America. There's something in people here. I think the last I, the last I saw was 20, 2006, that 10% of the workforce in the United States is employed in nonprofits, charities, medical charities, educational charities, Doctors Without Borders. I'm not going through a history lesson, but something happened in this country that put something in the heart of Americans, which I believe a lot of it had to do with the Bible, to give. 
And then the, the people have experienced the blessing of that. I know I've been talking about giving. I'm not taking an offering right now, so you can just relax and enjoy the message. This is not leading up to an offering. There's something in the people here to help the world and to do something and respond to crisis internationally. And evil people want that taken down. It's not globalism. The Bible calls it an antichrist spirit. And the Bible tells you in the book of Revelation what the end goal of that antichrist spirit is. That no man will be able to buy or sell without a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Well, now it's openly discussed. Central bank digital currency, where there is, there is no cash. Everything's controlled. Where you hear people say, you're not going to get me to eat crickets. I'm going to eat beef. Well, you go to central bank digital currency, they allot how much you can spend on beef. They allot how much you can spend on fuel. And it's the devil is such a deceiver. Because you ask the average person that doesn't go to church, they think that God wants to control your life, and I don't really want to do that. I want to have fun. Then maybe one day when I'm 55 and I, I got all the life out of me, I'll, I'll go start going to church and be a good boy and get things squared away before I die. Where anybody that reads the Bible or has lived for the Lord knows it's the exact opposite. When you live for the devil, you soon, you think you're having fun and you think you're free and very soon something else has taken over, whether it's cocaine or, or, or whatever else. I was watching um, the, those guys from that, sto- that show Pond Stars. Uh, the, the, the sun died and it, fentanyl was laced into, into what he took. That happened in Pittsburgh. They cut up Adderall tablets out of, out of fentanyl. And people, college kids and stuff, thinking they were just taking, you know, a normal, illegal drug that isn't that big a deal, all died. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When, when you let him in charge, he, he, you are not in charge anymore. You become a slave, whether it's to alcohol or anger or whatever it is. But the Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus brings true freedom. He brings freedom to people. He brings freedom to families. He brings freedom to regions. And he'll bring freedom. Actually, it'll start to go through a whole nation. Because what is a nation? A nation is just a collection of families. That's why, you know, all the evil you hear me talk about. We do a news show on Real America's Voice. I've been doing that since, uh, since the lockdowns. I've, I talk about this stuff. I know about it. I want to do something about it. What is the best thing to do? You have some Christians, you know, hey, have you ever thought about maybe running for political office? Well, you could. But then, and I thank God for, for good politicians and good leaders. But uh, that's not the highest form of change. The highest form of change is to change people by their spirits. Acts chapter 19, the Bible says that Paul went to a region called Ephesus. There were only 12 believers there. And when he met them, he said, now think of this. First question the apostle Paul asked these people and their believers. I mean, you'd think if you were getting beaten every week and thrown in prison every few months, and you went to a place and found 12 believers, you'd just be happy they were believers. I went to go preach in Democratic Republic of Congo. Nobody spoke English. I was there for a week and a half. It gets weird when you can't talk to people. And you find yourself filling the iron up with water, going, is Mr. Iron thirsty? And then you realize, I need to go home or I'm going to end up in a mental institution. So I, I go down to the lobby, and there's people speaking English, American English. I, I went down, I introduced myself. Hey, where are you from? They told me, they're from. I'm from Pittsburgh. We were talking. I wouldn't have cared. What differences we had? If they said, I'm the campaign director for Nancy Pelosi, I went, hey, whatever. Let's go get some breakfast. It was so nice to just meet someone you could talk to. You would think if Paul met some believers, 
that he just go, you're a believer? I'm a believer. That's great. But that's not what he said. First thing he said, Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believe? Now, is that Paul trying to bring division? Or is that an example of how important the infilling of the Holy Ghost is in this last hour of time? They just wrapped up the World Economic Forum in, in Davos, Switzerland. And you heard that they had, they had the uh, denominational leaders there two years ago. And they sent them back and told them, condemn the doctrine of healing, condemn the quote-unquote prosperity gospel, and condemn speaking in tongues. Well, you heard me say, when I heard what Klaus Schwab and those uh, 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 Alex Soros and those people said what they don't want in churches, I knew what three things to focus on. If the devil doesn't want people to think there's divine healing, it's time to break out all the old messages on the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus over cancer and Parkinson's disease and paralysis and let the world know there is still a Jesus that heals and delivers and set free. You don't have to be a slave of Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. You can get set free in your body in Jesus' mighty name. If you can testify to that, can you say a living amen? And and you don't like the prosperity gospel. Of course you don't. Because we saw in 2020 through 2022, the plan was to lock everything down. The unemployment was supposed to go to 40% all the leases up on all the buildings and get everybody on a universal basic income that was contingent on you doing you know what, that no man could buy or sell unless he gets a mark in his right hand or in his forehead. This, the Bible says this antichrist spirit is in the world now. You know, God doesn't run on the devil's clock. The devil runs on God's clock. So the devil's always had to have these things ready and he's always been pushing. Because he has to be ready for for when God kicks these things into event. So you can see this spirit pushing now. What's the thing that's restraining that spirit? Paul told the church in Thessalonica, that spirit is in the world, but it can't do what it wants. That's what it says in the Bible. That's why I don't have any fear. The devil does not have carte blanche to do what he wants. It can't do what he wants until what? Until he that is standing in the way is removed. Who's that he that's standing in the way? The church. Who is the church? The Bible says you are all living stones in that house. You want to know why I'm here tonight? I believe there's enough firepower in this room that we can turn out a group of people that'll be a nightmare to the powers of hell. Students in high school, students in university, women on jobs, women at home, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers. It's time for the church to say, devil, you're not going to to run the show. I will be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be filled with fresh oil from heaven. If that sounds like you, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It can't do what it wants till he that's standing in the way is removed. Well, if you can't remove, the devil can't make us get raptured. That's on God's timetable. But what's the difference of you being here, being removed, if you're so discouraged? I mean, I'm only 43. I've been here since I'm 20. It's useless. All the political parties have been corrupted. Everything's fixed. No point doing anything. Thanks for the sermon, Lucifer. (laughs) If this Bible tells us anything, it's that one person can get fed up. And instead, now, 
You have Moses as a good example of this. He got fed up with how Egypt was treating the Jewish people. And when he was 40, he responded in the flesh. I know the feeling. I did that for two years on Check the News. And he beat an Egyptian. An Egyptian was beating an Israelite. And he said, I had enough of this. And took that man and beat him to death and buried him in the sand. That's responding in the flesh. But I do want you to notice something. God didn't write him off for that. God said, I'm going to take the anger you have against this wickedness. And I'm going to show you a better way. See, when I was growing up in church, they must be like, well, we're not going to do anything about it, but we'll pray and stuff, and that's better. But actually, the praying and the responding in the Spirit actually has a, a, a greater effect than if you could get 100,000 people to protest outside. I used to stay at a hotel in Fort Worth, Texas, um, when I would go preach there. It was right downtown. And uh, there were people protesting. I can't remember what they were protesting against. But they were there for three months. Every time I'd go there to preach, they're there. And then you come one time, they're not there anymore. Protesters get tired eventually. People are human beings. They'll go home. If they're in other countries, they could get shot. When the, when the government's had enough, they'll just clear them out. But the thing that God gave us that's in the book of Acts, that flipped the Roman Empire where Constantine ended up seeing a vision of Jesus and became a Christian and turned the whole thing. We fasted and prayed for 21 days. Why? To attain in a greater level of this spiritual power that you operate in a higher level of the anointing. Why? Because if there's a spirit that wants to destroy this country, and there is, and the only thing that, sta- that it can't do what it wants till he that is standing in the way is removed, then we should make up our minds, I'm going to stand in the way. How do you stand? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If you came in here as weak and broken as can be, tonight is a night where God's going to use my little life to pour heaven's strength back on the inside of you. You're not coming out of here broken and weak. You're coming out of here a champion for God. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. I don't, I don't know if you, you saw my uh, social media before I came here, but man, that thing they broke, it's all coming out. I pray everything comes out. The head of the Republican Party called one of the Senate candidates from this state and told her, I just came from back east. This is a Republican. To a Republican candidate, I just came from back east. Powerful people have asked me to ask you to please drop out of the race. Just shelve it for two years. Not now. We, 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 you know... Uh, and she said, I'm not doing it. He said, name your price. They want to know. How, and she said, who? Who is it? And he made uh, uh, in, intimation. He said, have you seen the recent articles that the cartels are now operating in all 50 states? I'm telling you, in, in the natural, without God's supernatural help, this thing's over. Well, everybody's walking around on TikTok with a frappuccino completely clueless. This thing is all but over. But I'm telling you, the devil is not going to have the last say. I'm believing God. The Bible says, don't worry about what the wicked are doing, for they're here today, but gone tomorrow. God in one night can raise up something in this nation that'll give the devil the worst year that he's ever had. I prophesy as in my office, as an evangelist, as a man of God. This year will not be the devil's year in the United States. God will 
will shake this nation one more time. From Boston, Massachusetts to Maui, Hawaii, from Wasilla, Alaska to the Rio Grande Valley, and Arizona will not be left out. America shall be saved. Everybody say, don't worry about what the wicked are doing. I was going to play that clip, but then I'll never be able to get off it because it ticks me off. Don't worry about what the wicked are doing. You know what I'm doing? I'm not only going to not worry about what the wicked are doing. I'm fixing to get strong enough in the spirit where the wicked are going to have to start having emergency meetings about what I'm doing. Can you say amen? I was born with a speech impediment. I missed recess twice a week to get speech therapy. Eight sounds in the alphabet I couldn't say right. And if you don't know, there's only 26 letters in the alphabet. So it's not a good ratio. And then I had braces on, on my legs that were crooked. I'm sure, if the, I'm sure the devil had written me off from birth. He won't be much of a threat. He'll need taken care of. Speech therapist quit in fifth grade. I never corrected one sound. So if you think I'm exaggerating, I know everybody likes to forge themselves a little testimony when they preach. I was a drug dealer. You ever notice nobody ever says I was a drug addict? They were all drug dealers. <laughs> I told one minister, I don't believe you were a drug dealer because you'd be better at math. Amen. <laughs> drug dealers are good at counting. I'm sure the devil wrote me off. Now, if you think I'm exaggerating, if you were watching my church service a few Sunday mornings ago, I was walking and a white-haired old lady, I was walking and preaching like this, a white-haired old lady stood up and said, are you Jonathan Shuttlesworth that went to Central Assembly of God in Houston, Pennsylvania? I said, yeah. What happened to your speech impediment? She's like bewildered. How are you speaking? I heard you when you were a kid. You, you couldn't speak or you're all messed up in your speech. I said, pay attention to my sermons. I'm talking about a Jesus that transforms your life, that your weakness will be perfected in God's strength. I think it was the old preacher Spurgeon that said, God never asked you for your strengths. He asked you for your weaknesses so your weaknesses can be perfected in his strength that no man can ever glory in their own strength. See, that put a confidence in me. I know what I was before the power of God. And I know what happened after the power of God. I have, the Bible says there's a verse, having no confidence in the flesh. Not having little confidence in the flesh. Having no confidence in the flesh. And when you hit that point, it makes living easy. Because it has nothing to do with me. What are you going to do? I'm not going to do anything except get in the river of the Holy Ghost and watch what the grace of God can do. And the peace of God can do. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost can do. I'm telling you, for every real reason people have, to write you off. You're not that smart. You didn't do that well in school. You didn't have that much money. If you're looking for somebody else to join the club, you got the wrong preacher. I'm not looking at a room full of losers. I'm looking at a room full of people that were drawn here by the Holy Ghost to get filled with the fire of God and run roughshod on the devil from now till the rapture. Come on, if you know that's you, do it one more time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. With the voice of triumph. Shout it out loud. The devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God that he's going to use you. He's going to do great things. This is your time. Right at the beginning of this year. In Jesus' name, everybody said. 
And I want to tell you this. I'm not doing it to, to overblow it. But uh, Jesus loves you, you know. Because I wasn't thinking about you in January. I was thinking about eating January 22nd. <laughs> Thought about it for 21 days. It was working its way into all my sermon illustrations. As the fast one on every illustration was about prime rib. <laughs> Let me explain the resurrection to you. You know prime rib? I think I need to eat. And right on, right on, what was it? 10 days into the fast, 12 days into the fast, I felt the Lord quicken me. Get out to the West Coast and encourage my people there. Jesus loves you. I have sheep that are not in this fold. Now, this isn't turning into a Mormon meeting, but uh, Jesus knew one day you'd be serving him. Can you say amen? He has you here. I hope you get the revelation tonight that Esther got in Esther chapter 4. You're here for such a time as this. And if you don't rise up, salvation will come through someone else. But you know what? I don't want to watch one time a young guy get raised up and watch him doing that and know deep in my heart. That was supposed to be you. And you were afraid or timid or you got too depressed and around the wrong people. Talking about how you don't have resources, how you don't have whatever. And, and, and so God had to find somebody else and raise them up. I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. You're going to find God's purpose tonight. God's going to speak. You're going to hear some of you for the first time. You're going to hear God's still small voice. He's going to show you where your place is. He's going to anoint you to take your place. You're going to have the most impact this year of any year you've ever had in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that to fill space. I am telling you in the name of Jesus, you are going to have the most impact this year of any year you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you say amen? Don't worry about what the wicked are doing or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. So wicked people have a curse attached to them to fade away. So I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm, I'm only 43, but I have been alive long enough that a lot of people that consume the thoughts of people for a long time are all dead. Nothing ever came of it. I used to watch the news at eight years old. We had a little tube television next to our dining room table. My mom and dad, when my dad was home from preaching, and my sister, you know, the nuclear clocks, one minute till midnight, Gorbachev, they found by satellite photo new nu nuclear weapons that are po pointed right at America. They would launch them 400 at a time. They would overwhelm our defense systems. Where are they now? Where are all, all of them? They're all dead. It's not up to them. It's up to us. Don't tell me that a city as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah, in an old covenant where God didn't even have any, any responsibility to redeem those people. And Abraham said, hey, hey, I know you want to destroy these people, and I know it's wicked. But what if there were five, five righteous? Would you spare it? God said, yeah, I'd spare it for five. Well, this is just one group in one hotel meeting. And we got more than five here. And we're under a covenant of mercy. I don't like, I'm going to tell you some other people I don't like. I don't like people that write America off. America's going to be judged. Every place is going to get judged, but not while I'm here. I was eight years old, minding my own business, and got sent up to change for bed. Picked my pajamas up off the bed with my speech impediment. And an angel was on the other side of the bed. That's the only one I've seen. I know some people see them nine times a day. I wish I did that much LSD, but... I grew up in a Pentecostal home, so drug use was limited. This is the only one I've seen. And I stood real still. 
Angels, you know, one time, I think I've told you this, Rodney Howard Brown, was. I went to lunch with him, and there was a book publisher there, I think from Whitaker House Publishing, like major Christian publisher. So, <laughs> Pastor Rodney, you know, he loves me for some reason. <laughs> and he goes, uh, you know, this, this young evangelist sitting next to me, he's seen an angel. You know, with his big eyes, and, his big, and he's like selling it. Tell him, tell him about the angel that you saw, and tell him what the angel said. And I told him, and then uh, he said, you should make it into a book. And I said to the publisher, how would you make it into a book? The whole thing took like a minute. I said, you, I said if you were long-winded, you might be able to squeeze three quarters of a page and have a couple of illustrations. And then Pastor Rodney looked at me and went, way to go. <laughs> it was over. I don't know how you'd make it into a book. Real quick, Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist. To call men and women that are now in darkness into the light. For soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said, yes. And the angel disappeared. And I went down and told my my mom what happened. And she told my dad when he came off the road. And they took me to a restaurant called Long John Silver's. I don't know know if they have those out here. If they don't, you should thank God every day. They advertise, this is fresh Alaskan cod. Let me tell you something. That fish hasn't been in the ocean since the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> That's a lie. Fresh Alaskan cod. What, do you have a day boat pulling up to Bridgeville, Pennsylvania? So they took me out there, and we got some food, and they, they grilled me. It was like a FBI interrogation. Now, you really, Sonny? You know, I was eight. I can't blame them. I had Batman pajamas that I would wear, like, to the store and stuff. And I wouldn't answer to anything but Batman. Jonathan? I don't know who that is. I'm Bruce. I'm millionaire Bruce Wayne. So I, I don't blame my parents for not believing me right off the bat. You know, they're Pentecostals. They still didn't believe me. Hold on a second. You really saw an angel? Yeah. What did he look like? I, t- I told him. Fierce and bright. Male. Uh, what did he say? I told him what I told you. My, son, my dad like shook it, that lines up with the scripture. All right. And then uh, they believe me, sort of. I think they believe me now. Because even if people thought I was joking, you know. That, 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 that encounter, and I, I don't mean to veer off, but that encounter, um, when you have an encounter with God, we took a whole week of the three weeks of fasting to preach on it and hope people have an encounter with God. I saw couples in our church, multiple couples in our church, they had been fighting and undergoing counseling. They want to come to church together, sitting together, holding hands. I'm telling you, one encounter with the power and presence of God, will it, it'll do something for you. I've been running off that a long time. When that angel left, I had something on the inside of me. I knew what my marching orders were. Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist, to call men and women who are now in darkness into the light. For soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? Well, there's my marching orders. Call people that are in darkness into light. So then you read the book of Acts. There's only one evangelist, Philip. What did he do? He, didn't go, he did some one-on-one witnessing. But he also did, you know, it, it, you can get more done with 8 billion people on the world. You can't win them like they taught us in Bible college. We'll win them one by one. Do the math on that. If there's 5 billion people unreached, do the math on how long it would take to win them one by one. So there's more than just one one one-on-one. 
He spoke to the eunuch, but the Bible says crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. He preached Christ unto them, and crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. What kind of miracles? For many that were lame or taken by palsy, central nervous problems, were healed, and many that were possessed by evil spirits, the evil spirits came out screaming as they left. So there was great joy in the city. Now, you heard me reference a little bit ago, Acts 19, when Paul got done doing his thing, the Bible says the people of that city went and took their magic books and incantation books. (laughs) He didn't even preach on it. But they got convicted, went and got their magic books, incantation books, and idols, and burned them in a fire. The Bible says the value of the books in the New Living Translation was several million dollars. It broke that thing in the city by preaching. That's why I'm not out with a placard in Washington, D.C., you know, holding a pro-life sign or whatever. That's nice to do. But the thing that has the power, like nuclear power, to change a nation... Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. What's the power of God at work? The preaching of the gospel, not the telling of it. You know, if you watch our church, you're not going to see. Now, we have marriage stuff. Sunday morning, I'm not sitting on a padded stool or, or an easy chair, and then my wife in an easy chair talking about marriage. Or talking about uh, how to raise a family. There's nothing wrong with that. But preaching. The preaching that changed this nation several times. George Whitfield preaching. Where by the time he died in the 1600s, 1700s, 80% of Americans had heard him preach in person before he died. No TV, no radio. At Boston, 25,000 people came to Boston. More than the population of the city at that time. People climbed up in trees. And even back then, he said, before I preach, everyone that's climbed up in a tree to see me, you're going to have to get out of the tree because when I preach, people fall down. And I can't have you fall out of the tree. This stuff didn't start in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It started in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost is the trade secret of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. T.L. Osborne, A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts. Monday night is cancer night. Tuesday night is tuberculosis night. What an insane thing to announce. You'd think no one would come. Hey, everybody, Tuesday night we're canceling uh, pizza night, and instead we're having tuberculosis night. I mean, that's a communicable disease, and they'd roll them up one after another on the bed and pray for them. That shook America. That's how my mother got saved. That's what reached a tent meeting is what got my grand, my grandfather was a rough dude after he'd been pastoring for 62 years. He drove moonshine trucks to deliver alcohol at 10. Because those, those rednecks in West Virginia, you, you would get in major federal trouble if you got caught transporting alcohol. But if you're 10, they, they can't do much to you. So they'd have the children do it. And you know, when, you're, when you deliver the alcohol, they probably don't sit you down for tea and cookies. So who knows what he saw at 10? I know it was enough. Then when he got saved, he said, I told the Lord, if you'll make sure that none of my boys, four of them, go into the world, I'll serve you with all my heart. God didn't only answer that prayer. All four of them are preachers. You've seen my dad. You've seen my Uncle Ted. My Uncle Terry in Virginia Beach. My Uncle Tim in West Virginia. Now, I was watching my cousin Teddy preaching in um, 
uh, Nebraska on my way here. They're an hour, hour ahead of us. I was watching him on the way in. Church packed. Me here tonight. My sister leading fasting and prayer tonight in Montreal. You want to know something? Instead of focusing on the curses in your bloodline, the curses to the fourth generation, but the blessing is to a thousand generations. Whatever's wrong in your family, it only takes one person to say enough is enough. I'm not going to serve the devil. My house isn't going to serve the devil. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Shout, my children are blessed. Say, my children's children are blessed. Yeah. So, so don't write off America because America is just families. And if you get enough of them saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, there's no laws they can pass to stop that. I said there's no laws they can pass to stop that. There's nothing the devil has up his sleeve that can stop the power of the men. I had a super nice message to preach. It was going to be like a nice hotel convention message. But I'm telling you, I came in here. You're going to leave. I want to lay hands on everybody. You're going to leave filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Your church is going to double. Your evangelistic ministry is going to go from a local one to a national one. This is the hour of the children of God possessing the land. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Either these things in this book are true or they're false. If they're false, I'm throwing mine away and I'm going to go do something else. But if it's true, then don't tell me the devil can dictate how this year's going to go. Whatever you, who did Jesus say? Two times. Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 18, 18. Whatever you bind on earth. I'll back you from heaven. Whatever you permit on earth, then it'll be permitted in heaven. So what, what has the devil got most Christians doing? They're just accepting whatever they hear in the news or hear reported. But I just finished, and many of you finished with me, 21 days of pushing the plate away. And seeking God and saying, no, God, we are not going to concede one inch of ground to the enemy. We're going to see you shake New York City. We're going to see you shake Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to see you shake Las Vegas and Reno, Nevada and San Francisco. California will have a major move of God one more time. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, men will have a form of godliness, but will deny the power thereof that would make them godly. Have nothing to do with people like that. Thank God for the word. I don't think, I, I think even if people didn't uh, like me, they wouldn't be able to criticize me by saying he doesn't use much scripture or he doesn't preach long and he just goes for, for manifestation or whatever. We do tons of scriptures. God honors his word above his name, but you can't have the word and no Holy Ghost. There is a power that has to come behind the word or it's not preached properly. You, you can paint full gospel on your church all you want. If you're not having demonstration of the Holy Ghost, it's just a nice sign. Why do, why do they even have full gospel on the outside of churches? You don't see any churches that say half gospel. It's not like milk. I'd like 2% gospel. I'm trying to lose weight. 
No. Full gospel means that you're honoring what Paul said. Paul said, brethren, when I brought you the gospel, it was not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit's power. In this way did I fully preach the gospel. So Paul taught as a doctrine that the gospel hasn't been fully preached unless there's a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power that comes behind the preaching. There's things I saw in my father's meetings and my uncle's meetings that you, I could go to a, a very secular high school. They could say whatever they want. <laughs> you can't shake me. <laughs> I, saw a few, I saw a few things, Professor Clark. I know you have some nice things you learned in your humanism class. Good, good job repeating them. I've seen blind people see and yell and cry and the mother yell and cry where it wasn't fake. It wasn't, praise the Lord, I was blind, now I see. It's like, no, I don't know about you. But when the mother comes up crying with the child, that's what converted John Osteen. John Osteen was a Baptist pastor, Joel's father. And he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but he wasn't sure about the healing stuff. And T.L. Osborne was doing a crusade in Houston, Texas. And, and they met for breakfast. And he said, listen, before we let people come up and testify, we have pastors screen them. So why don't you be one of the pastors that screen them? And if it's fake, you'll know it's fake. But it, he said, I, I believe you're going to see that these are not contrived testimonies. John Osteen said that day I stood there as one mother after another mother after another father came with their children crying, telling, you don't understand, my son's deaf and he's signing to us that he can hear. And he said, after about the fourth parent, I just lifted my hands and repented. And, and then, then God turned him around. He built that huge church. Then Joel, his son just announced they paid off the $100 million loan. And you had everybody criticizing him. Shame on him. For, for what? What did you want him to do? Default on the loan? I like that that building that was built for basketball is now packed for church every Sunday. Can you say Amen. That's not going to be the last building that happens to. These, these places that were built for basketball and hockey and even football, before Jesus comes back, they're going to be running church services in those places multiple times a week. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all the inhabitants that dwell therein. Somebody say full gospel. I got invited to preach a youth camp when I was 34. And I, I remember after that youth camp, I was going to do, go do a crusade in New Jersey, in uh, uh, Camden, that had the highest murder rate per capita at the time in the United States. So I was on, I was on, I, I fasted, <laughs> I've been fasting a lot. I was on a long fast, 21 days, and I was preaching, you know, it's like every summer, it, you know, it's like, like, you know, there's a devil. The air conditioning, uh, Jonathan, the air conditioning blew out. Yeah, it blows out every summer. Maybe get it replaced. So it's like 140 degrees in there of teenagers. It smells like some like mixture of Axe body spray and hell. I haven't eaten. It's like so hot. It's like hazy in there. And I was preaching. And I was preaching like I'm preaching to you about the, the word and then the demonstration of power. And I was pressing in. And these two girls came to the altar. I'll never forget as long as I live. They were at the side, and I, I just felt to go over and pray for them. Then as I got close to them, I just knew some things. I said, uh, so I didn't want to embarrass them in front of everybody, but I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew what was going on. I said, There's, I said, I'm not saying this to freak you out. 
And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to say enough so you know that God knows. I said, there's a literal demon spirit that's been assigned to both of your lives to kill you. And it enjoys seeing your bodies harmed. They were crying with their hands lifted. I said, right now, that spirit, (laughs) no, I remember what I said. That spirit was assigned to destroy your life. But I said, God sent me here on assignment to destroy the work of that spirit. And I, I didn't lay hands on him. I went like that. And you, I could feel it go. And they both dropped backwards. Just, you know, two, two cool looking, normal looking teenage girls. You couldn't tell anything was wrong. So then the next day, they come running up to me before church. They go, you, can we tell everybody what happened last night? I said, sure. So I heard them say it. You could tell the anointing was on them. So they both got up. They said, I have cut myself for 18 months. And they said, uh, she said, this is my friend. And you said, Evangelist Jonathan ministered to us last night. We both cut ourselves. And we cut ourselves on our hips so that people can't see it on our arms or legs because your hips usually covered. And uh, she said, when he called us out, she said there was like a pressure that would come over us and we couldn't get any relief from it till we cut ourselves. It was a demon. So they said, uh, when he prayed, I felt that pressure go. And the next thing I knew it was service had been over for an hour and we were laying down crying on the, on the carpet. She said, we were so happy because she said she felt the same way. I could just tell I was never going to cut myself again. So we went to change for bed and, uh, I went to change and I looked down where I cut myself. Now, if you cut yourself on the same spot for 18 months, there's going to be some serious scarring. She said, all the scarring was gone. And then she said, I ran out of the room to go tell my friend and all her scarring was gone. So God not only delivered them, he restored the damage that was done from the attack. That night, that night, because it was flowing so, so strong. I said, hey, all the teenagers just line up. Well, there were 550 teenagers there. So they had to line them up outside on the, on the street at the, at the summer camp. I laid hands on everyone. As I was going down the line, I laid hands on, on this one girl. I mean, lots of girls, but this one girl in particular. Then three down the line. And when I got three down the line, she starts screaming. And then her, her friends come over and start shaking me. She can see. So I find out she's blind in one eye. She had her eyes closed to get prayed for, got prayed for. And when she opened her eyes, both eyes came open. So then, everybody say restoration. restoration. About a year later, I was preaching in Maryland at a Nigerian church. It was all Nigerians. And there was one white, rednecky looking family, like, like central Pennsylvania. Look, I'm from there, central Pennsylvania. And there's like, one of these things does not belong. So they looked like, they, looked like they, they hadn't been in church ever. I was like, where, why are these people here and where did they come from? I was curious. So I walked up and I said, after, at the end of the meeting, I said, uh, they all came up and got saved. So I said, like, can I ask you a question? Who invited you? You know, I don't want to make any assumptions, but you don't seem like the type of family that has tons of Nigerian friends. And they were like, no. They said, uh, we have a, a, one lady said, we have a daughter. And some of the uncles said, we have a niece that was born blind in her eye. And she went to your youth camp last summer and she came back and could see. So we found you on the internet and made up our minds. The next time you're around, we're going to come hear you preach. And they came and heard me preach and got saved. So God not only gave that girl her eyesight back, but it led to the whole family being saved. Now, I had this in my spirit and the the ship has sailed to read all the texts and everything. 
The same way things can flow negatively in a family from hell. God not only puts a stop to the negative flow, there starts to come a flow in the spirit that not only God stops what the devil was doing, but there comes a continuous flow of miracles into your life, and it's not enough for it to stay in your life. It goes to the whole family. God, it now, here's where people miss it. How long had those girls been cutting themselves? 18 months. I'll tell you another one real quick. You've heard me say this. In fact, the youth pastor that I preach for, where it happened, I just saw him again for the first time 20 years later when my dad was getting sworn in as president of uh, North Point Bible College. And he came right up to me and said, do you remember? Uh, it said a bunch of miracles that happened that night. I said, oh yeah, I remember. I still talk about it. He's pastoring, doing great. So I'm preaching the first time anybody ever invited me to preach, 19 years old. And I'm preaching on all the miracles God did in the Bible. And then this lady gets up and storms out. So I thought, well, she must not believe in miracles or doesn't like me or something. So I just kept preaching. But I was wrong. She didn't leave because she didn't like me. She comes back in the back doorway with a friend that had a bandana on and no eyebrows. And it all clicked. I thought, oh, she heard me preaching about miracles and the gift of faith came. Everybody say the gift of faith. faith. Now I'm going to tell you something. The gift of faith is coming in your spirit right now. Because number one, you're going to need the gift of faith in this last hour of time. But number two, the gift of faith will cause you to do some some supernatural things. It'll cause you to ask differently. It'll cause you to speak differently. And it'll bring different things into your possession. I'm going to tell you, right? I'm not saying this to hype you up. I'm not saying it for applause. You're going to have God do more in this year than all the years of your life before this put together. This is a year of God's powerful miracles flowing to his children in the face of the devil's opposition. Now, Think of this. So this girl's there, stage four ovarian cancer, find out later, that had metastasized through her whole body. She's going to die. They, they discontinued treatments. 22 years old. Frail. I've never had, stand up, ma'am. Stand your feet. Lift both hands. Put one hand on your belly. Lift the other hand to the Lord. That same power that hit that girl that night in Rhode Island goes into you right now. In Jesus' name, you're healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. So I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I knew this was the gift of faith. I've never had anybody healed of anything. And you bring in a stage four withered to the bone with cancer lady. I would have said, you know, I, and I was raised in the assemblies. I would have said, hey, let's all just gather around and pray for this woman. I said, does that woman have cancer? They said, yeah. I said, bring her down here. So they bring her down, then this pops out. See, the problem is, your spirit's in your belly. Jesus said, John chapter 7, in that day, rivers of living water will flow out from your belly, from within. And then your head is in your head. Let me pray for this lady in the the white shirt. Mind if I pray for you? I won't do anything odd. Everybody's carrying weapons in Arizona, so you don't want to get out of line. You'll get shot from like six different directions. Lift both hands. Put one hand on your belly. Put the other hand across your heart and lungs. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you receive a healing touch from God that'll last you the rest of your life. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say it with me. The righteous 
shall possess the land. And you can't possess land dead, so that's where healing comes in. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. I was going to say tonight's going to be a great night, but tonight's already been a great night. I was getting text messages from our media team. This place is electric. These people came hungry. You know, that's why it actually ticks me off. I'm from the East Coast. I don't, I don't, I don't care about I don't have anything in my soul or an attachment to the West Coast or Arizona to make me upset if I hear it maligned. But when I hear people, you know, they're so liberal out there and godless. No, I know people out here. They're not godless people. They're actually great people that are very hungry for God. And the Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God's going to fill you tonight. Amen. Praise God. If you would cue that song up on, on video that we were playing in prayer and fasting, um, I, I, will go, I will go up higher. I'll call for it in a little bit. So we called that lady for it. As she's coming forward, this comes out of my spirit. So your spirit just has a direct line to your mouth without having to get, go through the Senate and House of your head. Because I would have vetoed it. I promise you that. I said, now, if what I preach tonight is false, then I'll pray for this lady and she'll die. And none of you ever have to come back to church again the rest of your life. And the youth pastor's eyes were like, see, you could just see it. This is why I don't have guest speakers in. It took me two years to build this youth group and this idiot's going to ruin it in one night. And he, he looked like this. I felt on the inside like he looked on the outside. Like, why did you say that? That's a stupid thing to say. You've never had anybody healed. And then this came right after. I said, but if God heals her, then none, all of you will know that this is true. And you'll know for the rest of your life that God is real. There, nobody, nobody, nobody said amen or anything. They just went like this. You know, it's New England. And so I said, where's the cancer at? In my ovaries. I said, put your hand on your lower belly. Her husband was there and they had a little baby together. And I said, uh, in the name of Jesus, I cursed this cancer. I prayed in English. She went out under the power. But after running my mouth like I did, I was going to pray for a while. So I got down on, my, on one knee and put my hand on her belly. I prayed in English. I prayed in tongues. If I knew any other languages, I'd have given those a whirl too. And when I felt like it was good, felt like a release of victory, I opened my eyes. And all those kids that had just stared me down in that youth group were like this. And I started to see the connection because you have people, and a lot of you know what I'm talking about. We have more of a soul winning ministry than you have other people. We have more of a prophetic ministry. But you find out there's not a Holy Spirit that saves and a Holy Spirit that heals and does signs and wonders. That many believed on him seeing the miracles that he did. That the miracles of God draw people to understand. See, what it does is it breaks down all natural arguments. When somebody's deaf and they hear, like when I went with Dag Haywood Mills in Angola, and the first night, a guy comes up out of the crowd, and everyone's already clapping because everybody knows who he is. Born blind beggar. And he's looking all around. At the, I, you can tell. He's seeing everything for the first time, going like this. And then they ask him, and he testifies in Portuguese. I was born blind. I can see everything. I can see, I can see you. He told Dag, you're white. What am I? translucent I, I see he's pointing everything out and the whole place is erupting he gives the altar call that night so many hands went up that it gave a second altar call he said no 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 put your hands down 
I'm talking not you want more of God or you want to pray for. You need to repent of sin and make Jesus Christ your Lord. Put all the hands go up more. Because there is a power that comes with that. Think of it. Those teenagers came home and told their parents about what happened. Enough that all of those hunter looking guys that you could tell they don't go to church would go to a redeemed Christian church of God, Nigerian church, and come and give their lives to the Lord by one miracle. And so I finished praying. All the kids came to the altar. I don't keep an MRI machine handy, so there was no way to check if the cancer was gone. But a year, about a year and a half later, I came back to Rhode Island. And one of my classmates in Bible school, Eric Capelli, he met me for dinner. And he said, do you remember that girl that you prayed for? that had cancer. Of course, we found out six weeks later, she ordered a biopsy. There was no cancer in her body. And then when I went back, listen now, when I went back a year and a half later, he passed a picture across and he said, because of the cancer and the chemotherapy, her ovaries and uterus and womb were so damaged from the radiation that they said, though you're healed, you'll never be able to have children again. And they gave the picture. This is her holding her brand new baby that she had by natural childbirth. Because God doesn't just heal. God, res- God doesn't just shut down the attack of the devil and then leave you. The flow starts going in the opposite direction. I'm telling you, miracles are flowing your way. Whatever the devil's done, that reign of terror ended now. Now it's time for the water spout of God to flow in your direction. You're going to get back everything the devil took, everything he stole is coming back with interest. He doesn't have a say in the matter. God is undefeated. God is on your side. God's hands on your life. You're not going down. You're going up. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Who told you you're going to die? Who told you it's never going to work out? You're leaving here healed. In Jesus' name, lift your hands all over this place. Every foul cell of disease, I curse you in the name of Jesus. I command you to come out of everybody. In Jesus' name. Well, this turned into a miracle service. People came here looking for miracles, and you're going to get what you came looking for. He's a miracle-working God. I said he's a miracle-working God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle-working God. Praise God. You're going to live a long time. There's nothing the devil can do about it. Who cares what that loser thinks? Who cares what that loser says? Let me pray for this whole row from this lady with, the, with her hand up crying all the way down. Let me pray for this whole row, if you don't mind. I want to pray for all of you. Go ahead, all of you. If you don't mind, I won't. you'll be happy you did. The whole row. I guess we'll do you like in two lines. You guys came from up north or where? Chandler. Nice to have you. All you lift your hands. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. This flow, just like it went through those two girls' families that cut themselves and the girl that was blind and the lady that had cancer, that flow goes through you right now in Jesus' name. Abraham, what are you doing catching people? Abraham, after the fast, he weighs 136 pounds. I feel like, I feel like he could break in half. What a good guy. 
He told me when he takes showers now, he has to dance around the whole time to, to get wet. Both of you with your hands up. That's the Holy Ghost. And the patriarch and matriarch, lift both your hands. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. Even cousins and grandkids and people that aren't here, it's going to hit everybody. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a miracle working God. Somebody say with me, he's a miracle working God. He's the Alpha and Omega. Who said that? Who, who said that? You? Mind if I pray for you? You're not in trouble. Much as I've been in trouble, I don't have a right to get anybody in trouble. You got great faith. You know God at a young age. You know Him. He knows you. <laughs> You've kept yourself pure. His hands on your life. I can feel it. He's going to use you. He's going to use you. Go ahead and play it. Play it on the sax. Sing it, Sister Clarita. The Alpha and Omega. Hallelujah. Pray for this lady with the, the denim top and the yellow and white. And pray for you in, in that aisle. There. Hand of the Lord's on you. This is where I used to screw up 
for the first 11 years when I started preaching is I'd wait, I wanted to finish my sermon and then I'd pray for the people. And then one time the Lord told me, when you see me touching people, don't make them wait. Put one hand on your belly, one hand on your lungs and heart. That's it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. There it is. Never be the same. There's a scripture. Boy, you guys are great to preach to. Isaiah chapter 10, verse. Pray for for you. Both hands close, both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes through you. The whole family. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The Bible says, The anointing lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. There's people here, like that, that type of crying that you hear, that's a heavy burden being removed. Something they told, you know, it's like, I'm telling you that story about that lady I prayed for with cancer. You know, that did something for me. Because could, you could see the look in the husband's face. I just married this lady. We've been married two years. We have a one-year-old child. She's dead. This is not, how, what am I going to do? This is terrible. The devil is a wicked devil. So wicked that they didn't send an angel from heaven. The Son of God came himself in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't just come to love and teach peace. He came. (laughs) You can see it in the Bible. He saw a man who had been crippled for 30 years. Hey, how long have you been? And when he knew how long he had been that way, hey, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. People weren't meant to live like this. Basically, basically, that's what you see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Basically, you could sum it up. Jesus walking around and thinking, people aren't meant to live like this. Come out of him, you unclean spirit. You ears that I created to hear, I command you to hear. You mouth that I've created to speak, I command you to speak. You legs that were created to walk, I command you to walk. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. No doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all, healing all. He'll heal you tonight. He'll lift every heavy burden tonight. He'll destroy every yoke of bondage tonight. This lady with the jeans on, jackets. Take one step away from the chairs. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Put one hand on your heart and lungs. Lift the other one up to the Lord. Anything from your past life 
that would have affected the organs of your body? Obviously, God's forgiven you, but the Bible says he doesn't only forgive sin, he heals the body. Your body is healed in Jesus' name. New love, new heart. I pray for you. I already prayed for you once. Power of God's all over you. That's why you're shaking. Come here, man. This is your night. Jesus loves you very much. Jesus loves you very much. You show me anybody that teaches against healing, I'll show you someone. They don't have a bad revelation on healing. They have a bad revelation on the love of God. And Jesus, moved with compassion, healed their sick. Man, I don't like it. People aren't supposed to have to live like that. The only tears you're going to cry after tonight are tears of joy. Saying, surely the Lord has done great things. Some of you have cried enough tears for three lifetimes. It's time to start laughing in the face of the devil. He thought he had to take it out, but you're coming out tonight. More than a conqueror. Every unclean cell in your body, come out in Jesus' name. I'm not looking to knock other, other churches or ministries. I'm not in a church. How can, how can you try to paint a service like this as a fringe lunatic service and, and, and make it like a normal Christian service has no prayer for the sick or laying on hands? Read, read, read Jesus' ministry. There's all kinds of things that happen in the anointing. And they, and they scre- cried out in a loud voice. Have you come to destroy us before our time? There are people crying out in Jesus' meetings over top of him by devils. Fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth when he came. There's stuff like that. You can't take that out of Christianity. Christianity is not a life improvement philosophy. It is man encountering the glory and power of God and being reborn by the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Born of God. Whatsoever is born of God. Born of God. Born of the Spirit. Amen. Power of God. You guys ruined my whole service. I blame you. This guy in the gray, you mind if I pray for you with the glasses on? Hand the Lord's on you, just like it's on that lady there. Even if this is new to you, just trust me. I'm not, I won't do anything stupid. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Put one hand on the back of your head. I'm just going to pray the way I feel. The Lord's giving you a touch in your central nervous system right now. Your brain, the synapses of your brain, everything that makes up your central nervous system. The Lord's touching you right now. That's it. That's the miracle working power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Then when I pray for you, Pastor Abraham just appears like a ninja. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say the burden is lifted. And the yoke of bondage is destroyed. By the anointing. So you take the anointing out and then you just have to teach people how to deal with burdens. How to better carry burdens. How to deal with bondage.
How many know we all have mental, we're all in a mental health crisis, amen? No, we're not. The anointing doesn't keep you in a mental health crisis. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage and lifts every heavy burden. I tell you one more time, every heavy burden you've been carrying, it is lifted off of your shoulders tonight in Jesus. (laughs) Mighty name. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me pray for this nice guy with the glasses and beard. Let me pray for you. Lift both hands. Are you a minister? You just dress like a minister. Just dress like a minister. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Lord's going to open doors for you to teach it and minister the Word of God. And as you do well with those opportunities, he, the, he who uses well what he's been given, he'll be given even more and have an abundance. Praise God. That's what's coming upon you right now. That's an anointing for ministry. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Fresh oil from heaven. Mind if I pray for you? Come right over. Lift both hands, close both eyes. You know, if you're, if, if you're new to this, it's not your fault. America basically kicked out this type of ministry about 30 years ago. People say, I don't want to fall down. Then don't fall down. He pushes people over. Look at my wrists. You think I pushed him over? You need to take a physics class. I don't care whether you fall down. One of you seen me linger and try to get people to fall down. If the goal is to fall down, I'd have everybody lay down at 8 o'clock and dismiss God's power touches people. You, you think the glory of God's going to going to touch you and you're going to go like this? The Bible says when Jesus appeared before John on the Isle of Patmos, show me anywhere in the Bible where people fell down. Anywhere you want. Where do you want to start? The glory of God filled the temple and the priests could not stand to conduct their priestly duties. That's in the Bible, whether you like it or not. The Lord stood before me and I fell as one dead, but he picked me back up on my feet. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and suddenly one appeared before me whose eyes were like flames of fire. Feet were like bronze refined in the furnace. Hair was white like wool. Two-edged sword proceeded out of his mouth and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead. Nowhere in the Bible did people fall down. Sorry that you're illiterate. Sorry that you bought a Bible from Walmart on 25% discount because it had pages ripped out of it. Don't tell me I'm wrong because I'm not wrong. And also, I, have only, I haven't barely eaten this year, and I'm not in a good mood. Amen. <laughs> Lift both hands, close both eyes. If you, if you want to argue with me, you should wait till I have a meal. It's the anointing. God's going to use you. He'll use you in your youth. Look how many young people are here. This is insane for this many young people to be at a Tuesday night, whatever this is. Why are you here? Don't, don't tell me the youth are all messed up. And No, apparently there's a bunch of university and high school age and grade school age young people that want to be used by God. That God's reserved for such a time as this. You know, 
And I never thought, I never thought I'd, live, I'd be at the point where I was the one saying, you young people. But since we're here, I want to use my life to pour into you. There's no guarantee I'll ever see you again. Not because I'm dying or you're dying. Jesus is coming soon and there's a, there's a whole world to reach. I'm going to, I'm going to give you all I've got tonight. You're going to leave out of here. The devil's going to start checking for you under his bed before he goes to sleep at night. Can you say amen? All right, my, my young friend, lift both your hands up even higher. Close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. That's it. Go right into you. Thank you. I think they hypnotize those people. No hypnotist tells people to close their eyes. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost and fire. Read the book of Acts. They weren't having a, a little teaching thing on a stool with Peter drinking a latte and handing you communion on your way to your car so they could clear the parking lot and bring in the second service. That's not in the book of Acts. If you missed the upper room day of Pentecost, there was not a second showing at 4 p.m. You missed it. Can you say amen? Crowds listened intently. Crowds. Big crowd. Listen intently. You know how thrilled I am? I know that the place isn't jammed, but to just throw a thing up on Instagram 12 days ago with me as Dr. Dre and have a bunch of people come out. I mean, I know, I know this is not, Billy Graham had bigger crowds than this, but this is like nine Nikki Haley rallies. Amen. I'm happy. I'm, I'm honored. Honored the people busy in the rain. I mean, rain in Arizona is like a, like a blizzard. And a hurricane all in one. I was explaining to people all day, they go, what are those things? They're clouds. Amen. I met a family today that came here on their vacation from Oregon. <laughs> what a terrible, they were out of the spirit. You came to Arizona when Arizona was Oregon. You drove from Oregon to Southern Oregon. I come here in August every year because the resorts are empty because it's 160 degrees outside. If you touch your seatbelt, you lose your finger. People are interesting, you know. I was walking around today. It's cold out. I hate this. Then you come in the summer. So hot. I think you're the problem. How many of you are happy to be in the house of the Lord? How many of you are glad God has something for you tonight? Now, our church is about two years old. And our, our main prayer point in fasting and prayer last year, 2023, was for God to fill the church with, we, we announced it, Revival Today Church, a home of signs and wonders. Lord, give us a, an explosion of signs and wonders. And I'm telling you, last year was something else. The people that came with major problems and got major miracles. So these are just some from towards the end of the year. So I'm just playing these for you because, you know, not everybody watches us on YouTube all the time or even knows what they're at. When I turn my back and walk to the other side, they're like, what is this? So I'm going to show you. When I say miracles, I'm not talking about the grass grows and the rainbow forms, 
the sun rises in the morning. I'm talking about supernatural interventions of God's power in the natural realm when people have no hope. And I'm going to pray for everybody because you're clearly, you know, when Ram sent me that text, boy, it's electric in here. People came, people came in expectation and God is touching his people. This is, this is God's Christmas for the West Coast this week. He's going to bless all kinds of people. People are going to get saved and healed and families turned around. Pastors are going to have their churches double this year. You're going to quit saying, Where, where's the Williams family? Where's the Johnson family? You're going to start saying, where did all these people come from? You know, last night when we broke for uh, prayer and fasting, Pittsburgh had the whole auditorium full and then the lobby half full for prayer and fasting. We had 126 people, I think, last year. Last night there was 414 and then uh, 294, just under 300 in Fort Worth at the same time. One year. God, God's going to do that with anybody who's interested in getting on the, the train. You're on the train. You're not going to get off the train. Can you say amen? Watch what Jesus did and let it encourage your faith even more. And then I'm going to pray for everybody in the building. I mean, I dropped after a day of work with severe pain in my chest. I couldn't get my breath. Malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. That's that lady that had seven strokes with bleeding on her brain and then some type of kidney problem. She couldn't talk. Her whole central nervous system. So she wasn't paralyzed like a severed spinal cord. She was paralyzed from the, the strokes from the neck down. Couldn't speak. And it made her husband walk her up to the front. So her husband had her feet on his feet, walking her like this. She said, I'm not sitting in that chair anymore. Walk me there. That's called violent, reckless faith. So I'm done preaching. I'm just there to like shake hands and say hi to people. And then they walk her up. My, my wife would like prayer to walk again. Is Benny in here? There's just, there's just me. I'm more of a sore backs, bad dreams kind of guy. That's how I felt. It's like, me? Okay. So I said, get her a chair to sit down. Because she had, she had no, like, form. Like, you could tell she's paralyzed. So she's, like, wobbling the whole time. If she drops, she's just going to drop dead weight on the ground. And there's cameras and stuff. So I said, get her a chair. Not that I want to pray for her, but sit her down and then we'll pray. And she loudly said, I'm not sitting down. You know, there's a certain tone a woman uses where you realize objections need to be shelved for another time. I said, all right. So I called Pastor Abraham and Pastor Augustine over and said, hold her up with me. Don't let her fall. And I prayed. When I finished praying, she's still wobbling, not moving anything. And I said, I'm going to leave you with Pastor Abraham and Pastor Augustine. Keep praying for it. And then when I went to leave, I said to Abraham, I said, don't let her fall. That was right. He was like, this lady can't walk. And then I go and start talking to another family. And then I see this blur run by and look, and she's running and jumping. And I'm telling you, if I had just seen that and somebody had told me she was in a wheelchair and she's running out, I would have said, oh, praise the Lord. But because I had just finished handling her and she couldn't, I mean, you know, I kind of gave away that it wasn't my faith that made it happen. Because instead of going, praise the Lord, I went like this. 
I look like Kevin's dad from Home Alone when they found out they left Kevin. You know, when you're a faith preacher and there's a miracle after you prayed, you're not supposed to go like this. Oh my God, Jesus is alive. That Bible's true. Son of a gun. Well, you know what I'm telling you that? God will do things for you. See, even if you're, you get to a point, you kind of think like you know everything. Like, oh no, I know about miracles. God will do things for you this year that even seasoned, Holy Ghost-filled Christians is going to make your mouth drop and say, wow, surely the Lord has done great things. Hallelujah! I'd ask you if you believe it, but people, people who don't believe don't smile that big. I see the joy of the Lord on your face. It's a done deal. You're coming out of this room filled with God, you're going to take the land, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Go ahead, clap your hands, shout, let God know Arizona believes him. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Rob. Keep playing. I couldn't couldn't run. I couldn't walk. I couldn't speak. In 2020, out of nowhere, I got sick. First day of church. infection is blood. First day. Couldn't walk, couldn't move. Holding a cell phone was like a ton of bricks. And I've been faced with leukemia for approximately... She was in a cult, uh, like a a crystals type cult. You can keep it up. They've seen me. 13 years. Wait, wait, pause it. And then they brought her leukemia, 13 years. She was in a cult. Her family brought her. Healed the week she came. You know what that lets you know? God's not a jerk. Oh, you think you're going to come here after going to a cult? I'm just going to heal you the first Sunday. No. The prodigal son, when he came home, thinking he was going to have to talk his way back into the house, the father, when he was a long way off, ran to greet him, held him in his arms, and said, my son that was dead has now come home. If you'll take one step towards God, God will make up the rest of the ground towards you. Go ahead. Tumors in my stomach, losing blood, fibroids. God has blessed me beyond belief. Your life's not up for grabs for anybody to destroy. You look like everybody else, but when you commit your life to the Lord, you're not like everybody else, and your life is not allowed to end in defeat. Jonathan laid hands on me when I went to the doctor's last Wednesday. My PET scan was clear. My x-ray stayed everything I don't coach them what to say. I'm sorry they say anything about me laying hands. I'm not trying to draw attention to that. What, they come up and tell me at the end crying that they got healed, and I tell them to go tell Jake the testimony right then while it's fresh. Don't come back next week and then have notes. Tell it while, while you're in the anointing. And then they, they happen to mention me. But this is not a, when Jonathan laid his hands, because I told you this is what Jonathan had to do with it. Continue. was God. She was going over my, my records and she said, honey, you do not have stage 3B kidney disease. And I was unable to walk when I first came in and I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over, it's over, it's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me and just like it burst. The pastors out there put something in me that I have never felt in four years. And today I was able to run up and down. So like her healed, the other lady healed. There's so many people sitting there in the church like that that have stories like this now. 
During prayer and fasting, this lady flipped out after the service. I was there and said, this stuff's fake. And I, they all start standing up. <laughs> Going to put their new limbs to use. <laughs> Security had to no, we have protocol. We'll take care of it. They're like, Adonis' sister was getting involved at her high heel off. Oh, yeah. It's hard to argue against miracles when there's 200 of them sitting right there saying, surely the Lord has done great things. We serve a living God. Go ahead. I'm a freaking jump. God bless me. God bless this place. God bless everyone. Ninety-seven salvations. Christmas Eve. First timers. Your life in 2024 is going to be the greatest year that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. You bring it back to me. So I just play that. You can tell those are real people. They're not church people. You know, praise the Lord. I had a sickness, but he became my Jehovah Rock. No. You know, that one lady said freaking in her testimony. I can freaking breathe. That's, that's a raw person getting healed. Amen. I like that. I like that it's not staged. So I'm showing you that to show you. We're, this is not a game. If you came here, what have you heard? Have we taken an offering? What was the ticket charge? There's none. This is a night for you to get blessed by the Most High God. To put to bed in January. Let me tell you something. You're not going to carry one thing from 2023 into 2024. You're leaving here tonight free, healed, blessed, filled with God's power, ready to run rush out on the devil in Jesus' mighty name. He already lost the battle. Jesus already won the victory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I I feel in my spirit there are people that are here tonight that are similar to that girl that had her eye come open. Family. Your family doesn't shut up about me. You need to hear this guy. They keep checking off. You watched the YouTube I sent you yet? Would you back off? All right, I will go to this thing Tuesday if you'll just shut up about this and let me live my life. But the truth is, The Lord already has his hooks into you. It's not enough to just know. (laughs) You know, one of the biggest altar calls we had in Sturgis, South Dakota, when I preached the crusade at the biker rally, is the Lord gave me something to say. I said, I said, how many of you like the World Economic Forum and Jeffrey Epstein and Klaus Schwab? No! I said, then what are you going to go to the same hell they're going to for? It's not enough to know that that's wicked. You can't go to heaven because you can identify that people are wicked until you're born again. You don't go to heaven because you become a conservative. You have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ and be born again and turn your back on sin. Your own righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God. You must be born again. There's a, a preacher in America that preached that over. He had a sermon called, You Must Be Born Again. He preached it over a thousand times. They had him speak at a seminary. And one of the Bible college students asked, Why have you preached, Ye Must Be Born Again, over 1,000 times? He said, Because ye must be born again. People don't get it. You must be born again. If you let this life, and it will end. You eat all the organic things you want. Everybody is appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment. If you let this life come to an end and you've never taken five minutes and accepted what Jesus did for you on the cross. 
then you're drowning in an ocean. Somebody lowered a rope to you and you knocked it away because you didn't like the color or you heard something bad about the pilot. He made a way out. But you have to receive the way out. And tonight's that night for you. Somebody tell me why anybody from Phoenix or Scottsdale or Chandler or Mesa or Tuba City or anywhere else, tell me why they should go to hell. Great people here who Jesus died for every one of them. But it doesn't do you any good till you say, Lord, I receive it. I want to ask you a question, like personally. Can you put your finger on a specific time in your life where you gave your life to Jesus Christ publicly? This is not scan a QR code on the screen with your phone and join next steps. I'm talking pray, pray, receive Jesus Christ. Pat Rom, can you give me the picture of um, the whole town getting saved in Angola? When Bishop Dagg was there. I'm talking about like a public, what Billy Graham did, what D.L. Moody did, a public proclamation of your faith. There's something about doing it publicly that makes it stick. You don't get married in private. My wife sent a note up when I was at the altar. Hey, Adon still wants to marry you, but she just doesn't want to be seen at the altar with you in front of all these people. It ain't working out. Public. You honor war heroes publicly. You get married publicly. Things that matter are done publicly with witnesses. Jesus is not coming back for a girlfriend or a fiance that love him but have never made a vow. He's coming back for a bride that has stood at an altar and made a covenant. I'm with you always. Tonight's your night to do that. We're now, now you will be able to for the rest of your life. January 23rd. How do you know you're going to heaven? Oh, Mr. Devil, glad you asked. January 23rd, some lunatic from the East Coast flew here and yelled at me for two hours, and I came to the altar and received Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven. Good night. Good rhyme or you need a minute. Go ahead and play it. This. This is what they do all over the world. I filmed this. That's the whole town getting saved. I trust you. I receive you. I love you. I trust you. Play it again. You feel the anointing on it. Send me and lift it and cleanse me. I trust you. It's too easy for people. You wish you had to do it like go to Jerusalem and crawl up some steps on your knee and whip your own back. You don't have to do that. If you will believe in your heart. That God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, publicly and unashamed, Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. Not you might be saved. You will be saved in your house. Some of you have never done that or you once did, but life went haywire. Sometimes the devil uses a tragedy. Somebody died, auto accident, something brutal. And the devil used that. You never made up your mind, I'm not going to church anymore. You just got shell-shocked. But tonight, that's one of the reasons God has preachers preach. It it snaps you out. It's a wake-up call. Get rid of sin. Don't give the devil the satisfaction. Think of it. For some of you, the devil could actually sit right now and go, everything's going exactly according to plan. I did this, this, and this. It made them turn their back on God, and they'll be in hell with me. Why give him that satisfaction? Why not say tonight, devil, you're not going to control my destiny. I turn my back on you, and I turn my heart to Jesus Christ. If anybody can hear me out in the hotel lobby, this is not a closed meeting. If 
you need to give your life to the Lord. Hotel staff, if they fire you, I'll hire you. Give your life to the Lord. Be saved. Be saved. Come to Jesus. Let him wash your sins away. If you need to do that tonight, you say, Jonathan, that's me. I want to pray with you. I want to do it tonight. I want you to put your hand up right right now. We'll pray. I see your hands. Keep up. That's a lot. That's awesome. I'd have flown here for any one of you. Awesome. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, if you came with a friend or family, you can walk down together. Every person that lifted a hand, come right now. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. Go ahead and sing that. I give my life away. Come. Everybody that lifted a hand and meant business with God. This is your night. This is your night. I give myself away. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to hell. I receive Jesus. I receive him. This is awesome. This is awesome. Awesome. Anyone else before we pray? I'm not going to hell. I'm going to be the first one in my family to turn my back on sin. Make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Awesome. Congratulations in advance. I want you to lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a very simple but very powerful prayer. God's going to hear this prayer even while you're praying it. A ton of those people that testified about miracles, they weren't prayed for separately from salvation. They received their healing as they, because he, he makes all things new. Give you a new bloodstream. Give you new organs, new kidneys, new vertebrae, new discs in your back. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I've done many wicked things. I give them to you. Please forgive me. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. I am healed. I am free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. You know, I wanted you to get the sinner's prayer in to make sure you get to heaven. I was going to pray for this lady before we even prayed. The power of God's on you so strong. It's amazing how when you take one step to God, He comes the rest of the way to you. Be blessed. Be blessed. If you would, put both your hands on your sides where your kidneys are. God's going to give you two brand new kidneys and a new pancreas. In Jesus' name. Nobody in this meeting is ever going to spend one day hooked up to a machine. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Put both hands where your lungs are. Brand new lungs. Brand new bloodstream. In Jesus' name. You'll never be the same from today. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. You have a home in heaven. Before you go back to your seat, I have gifts that I'd like to give you with no strings attached. These are my friends. You can come to the altar. I'm going to give you a Bible and some other materials to to, uh, live the Christian life. And then if you give me your address, we don't share it with the police or the FBI. It's just to make sure you're followed up on and get you plugged into a good church. 
So please do that. When it says street name, we mean your address, not Bobo or Left Eye. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? If you'd be seated briefly, I'm going to line everybody up and pray for you in about three or four minutes. Since I'm only with you one night, I want to mention some important things. If you're a young person who feels called into the ministry, we have a Bible school in Pittsburgh. We do not have online school because if you, the people, we don't have online school. If you're willing to do what the disciples did and leave everything and follow Jesus, then we got a great group of people. If you're between the ages of 18 and 35, if you graduated high school early and you're 17, like I, I was, um, you're welcome to come. You can scan that code. If you're watching online, there's no reason why we shouldn't have 200 students when the fall starts. It's a great school. I picked the curriculum. I picked the textbooks. Stuff you actually need. Bible education plus all the legal and practical stuff. How to actually preach. How to start a church. How to hold evangelistic meetings and crusades. And then plus you're functioning in a church. So all your professors have the same doctrine. And then you get to actually have hands on and do it. We've been sending the students have been going into Section 8 housing every Saturday, even when it's like 26 degrees out and preaching in the snow. If you learn to preach in a place like that, you preach anywhere. You don't become a professional conference speaker. You're an actual minister. Can you say amen? Revival, Revival, uh, Revival Today Bible Institute. What's the website? RevivalTodayBibleInstitute.com, correct? RevivalTodayBibleInstitute.com for more information. It's $2,000 a year which is about $31,000 cheaper than, than most Bible schools. I would have made it free, but then if you make it free, people don't even set their fantasy football lineups every week. So people have to have a little, a little uh, cost. Amen. Tell the people. So about a month ago, doctor said that they saw something in my lungs, in, in my right lungs, and he's prayed for my lungs. Yeah. Thank you. You can tell the Lord touched you too, right? Put your hand where they saw, found the thing in your lung. That thing will never come back in Jesus' name. Now, take a deep breath. Exhale. Now, this next de- breath will be the deepest one you've taken in years. It won't catch when you breathe. Deep breath. Out. You know, never come back in Jesus' name. Jesus name. I'm going to live a long time. Can you say amen? Thanks for the testimony. We serve an awesome God. If you're watching again online, new people popping on all the time. Reno tomorrow night, San Diego uh, the next night, and then I'm going to do another service because one of the speakers canceled. So I'm doing 7 p.m. Thursday and 9 a.m. Friday in San Diego, then Los Angeles, 7 p.m. And then Saturday, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. And then I'll be back. If you're watching from Pittsburgh, I'll be back at church. I think we land at 7.30 in the morning. Church doesn't start till 10, so that gives me plenty. To probably lay down for an hour, change, shave, everything. Put on deodorant. Be amazing. We have books in the back. You can check out on the way out. I wrote them. I'd like people to read them. They'll help you. And so those are in the back. Let me see I'm understanding the world through the lens of Bible prophecy quickly. 
Thanks, Abraham, Brother Abraham. This is a book I wrote that will help you understand why things are going on and what's going on. There's a preacher named Dr. Lester Summerall who's very dear to my heart. He went to heaven in 1996. The Lord showed him in a vision that America is the last domino that has to fall before uh, this Antichrist thing can take place. And that's why the devil has this country in its crosshairs to subvert the Constitution and just kill it a million different ways, destroy the economy on down the line. And so he said America's worth, worth fighting for. And that's what, what we're doing. That's why, you know, I just preached 52 times in January already. So I could take the week off. But I'm, I don't feel like it. It's no punishment to come to Arizona anyway. And I'll tell you another thing. Like if I was on vacation, what could I have done? I'm not saying this to sound like super spiritual. Like really, even if I wanted to just have fun, what, what would I have done tonight that I have more fun than this? I'm going to hang around for a little bit after and meet you. You know, I like, I like being with you. I can see the feeling is not mutual, but I said what I said, and I'm sticking to it. Boy, you can barely tell you're the descendants of gunslingers. I love you guys. So... If you see the world, not through a conservative lens or a liberal lens or a racial lens, but see it through Bible prophecy, everything is clear. You don't get swung around by a political party. You swing them around. Because you can see who people's spirits are and what their policy is and all that. This book will help you. My father wrote the foreword, and um, that's in the back. We don't sell the books for a price. There for a donation, whatever you want to give. So, but I would like you to read it. Um, I guess that's it. I want to pray for you. We'll receive an offering. I know people brought seed and, and want to give. No one has to give. This isn't once you give, I'll pray for you. If you have a thousand dollars, I'll lay hands on you. If you have a hundred dollars, I'll pray for you from ten feet away. If you give less than a hundred, <laughs> go stand in the lobby and don't talk to me. The Bible says, let each man give his <laughs> you've been in one of those services. Let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit, not reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. One of the reasons I show you me giving that million dollars to Pastor Rodney is because I'm trying to show it as an example of giving by the Spirit. That's where I was a year ago tonight. And my Uncle Ted gave that word and told Pastor Rodney by the Spirit Spirit of the Lord says, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. I, I, that's a word from the Lord. I could feel it was a word from the Lord. So I thought, okay, rather than wait to see who's going to give the million, I said, Lord, I have 1.8 million in the bank. I know that sounds like a lot, but when you have 51 employees, you know, that you don't want to, you're supposed to have some in reserve so everything's not a crisis, so you don't have to send a letter to your partners every month. Where am I standing that I shouldn't stand? I'll stay back here. So you don't have to send a letter to your partners every month telling them you're in crisis. If you can please give, you know, we won't have to lay off our staff. We can stay on TV. You can actually have, God said, I'll fill your storehouses with grain. Can you say amen? amen. So I like operating like that because then I can do what I want. Like the offering tonight. It'll be counted when we come home. It's like, do we have enough coming in? We can go to Reno. I don't like living like, Jesus didn't live like that. So 
I said, Lord, you know, he's the one that set that system up. It says in Proverbs, a fool spends everything he gets. So I'm not doing it. I said, Lord, if you get me to three million, I'll give a million. That's not 10%. That's a third. So it's something. So you get me to three million. Everybody say, if God can get it in your heart, he'll put it in your hand. See, something has to move you by the spirit where you care, where you care. I want Pastor Rodney to be able to build this building out with no, no trouble. I'm going I'm to help him. I got two churches I'm working on. Tough luck. Let's, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. So that was in now. By March 18th, we were at $3 million. And then I gave the million. And you remember when I gave it, I said, I'm not doing this to help you. Because actually, as crazy as it sounds, it doesn't help him that much. Where his budget's at, I told him before the service started, I said, what would you do if someone would have prophesied to you 20 years ago and said, one day a young man's going to give you a million dollars, and you got real happy, and then the rest of the word was, and it'll be enough to pay your bills for nine days. So that would, you know, I had people say, boy, you really helped Pastor Rodney out. Actually, he's had a ministry for 40 years. I met him about seven years ago. He was doing just fine before I ever came into the the, the, the equation. Offerings aren't to help the preacher. And it's sad that it's presented that way all the time. If you can just help us, we're playing. No, God is the one that sends you. God's the one that calls you and God sends you. So what's the offering for? The offering is so the people can be blessed. See, return to me in the tithe and the offering. And if you do, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, not the church, you out a blessing that's so great you won't have room enough to take it all in. That's what it says. So once you cross that bridge in your spirit that offerings aren't to help God, offerings help me. It changes your giving. So we give that million away. Well, what was the word? Now this part I never thought about till after it happened. Million dollar offerings. What was the second part? Billion dollar flow. Did you know when we made that million dollar offering? First one we ever gave won't be the last one. We started to have million dollar weeks routinely. I think last week's report, I just got it today, but I get it on Tuesdays, was 874,000. So we didn't have a million coming in a week, but the Sunday offering was 130. So in eight days, just over a million. That, I took in 3 million in a year in 2019. We'll, we'll have 3 million before the end of January. Why? From upping the giving. So you say, well, I don't have, Brother Jonathan, I'd give a million if I had it. I know what that feels like. But you don't wait till you have it. You begin to sow and get it. Lord, I'm sowing for you to increase me. And as you increase me, I'm going to make a mark in the kingdom of God. And you're going to do that. Can you say amen? amen. This is not to put pressure on you. This is, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was little. Instead of the brethren are coming to receive the offering, God bless you as you give or have not to give. They, never, they left the whole thing out. That God doesn't want wealth in wicked people's hands. He wants it in the hands of the righteous because when the righteous have the wealth, the country benefits. Can you say amen? So just ask the Lord what he would have you to give. But look to do something significant and watch what God does. You know that Dag Haywood Mills that you saw? We, are, we now, I told him I was going to send 10000 a month and the money went up after I did it. And I thought, well, well you know, why, why stay at 10000 And then I, once I was there, I thought, this is amazing. Whole town's receiving Jesus. I'm going to give 10000 a month. Let's do 20. Give 20. Now, now, the more we do it, the more comes in. 
Give and you shall receive. You know, you see all the, all the critics. If I, if I was being watched by people on, on media matters or whatever right now, he promised the people that if they give, God would bless them financially. Is that not in the Bible? Did I make that up tonight in, in the Hyatt Regency? Who taught it? Jesus. Give and you shall receive. Your gift will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I will cause men to give liberally into your bosom. Does it say that or does it not say that? I was going to ask you if I prayed for you yet or not, but I don't, then I'm not going to ask because I'm praying, going to pray for you again anyway. Power of God's on you, miss. Let me lay hands on you real quick. What's going to touch you right now? Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. More. 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 That's it. In Jesus' name. Every heavy burden lifted by the anointed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. All right. Envelopes are in your seat, I believe. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you can click give now. All the ways to give are there. More instruction on the screen if you need it. If you want to mail a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Things are going to flow in the right direction in Arizona this year. Things are going to flow in the right direction in America this year. Even things that happen that are less than ideal, all it's going to do is serve to wake people up more. Things are going to get better. It's not the devil's time. It's the time of the righteous. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.